we are walking through, um, we were in the Beatitudes for several weeks, and we went like one step past that in the Sermon on the Mount. Now we're just kind of like doing some vignettes in the life and ministry of Jesus. We're going to cover another one today. We're going to look at another one in a few weeks. And then in January, we're going to start kind of in that last year of Jesus' ministry and then lead up to the, the, the week's events up, up to the cross and the resurrection and beyond. And my future goal is hopefully maybe even by the summertime, we'll start a series in the book of Acts. And so we'll just kind of run all the way through the resurrection, the events right after the resurrection, and, and follow the whole story into the book of Acts into next year. Okay, but for now, we're just going to look at some of these vignettes in the life and ministry of Jesus. Um, and then this one is going to be from the Gospel of Luke. And so we're going to be looking at that in just a few moments. But I want to start off by asking you this question. It's a pretty simple question. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a lot of response on this. But how many of you have ever felt stressed out over anything in your life? Oh, okay, good. If I was the only one to raise my hand, I'd be in big trouble. So I'm thinking we're in good company here today. I mean, we can uh, go through a bunch of things here. Deadlines can stress you out. Uh, workload. Expectations that people have of you. Unexpected changes, right? Unexpected company that drops by. <laughs> or just your level of responsibility, all the hats you wear and all the different things you have to switch and change into all the time. Your level of responsibility. And we could kind of go on and on from here, couldn't we? Now, believe it or not, though, one of the greatest causes of stress actually comes from doing good things. Anybody ever hosted a dinner party before? How many of you were just like totally stress-free, right? Uh, yeah. Or, or, or uh, you're trying to arrange an event, you know, for something at the church. You're trying to organize a birthday party or a graduation party or a retirement party. Or you're trying to plan a wedding. That's never stressful, right? Uh, you're moving into a new house. How about just hosting or leading a small group? I remember several years ago, Jamie and I were leading a small group at our house. And as much as we loved it, we loved every minute of it. But like the day leading up to it, like I would just get more stressed going over our house. Uh, and then it would just be a glorious event. It was a good thing, but it would cause a certain amount of stress. Doing good things can cause stress. You know what else? Actually, loving your neighbor can stress you out. From serving others to serving people that you, you love. Serving people that you don't love may give you some stress, but even serving people that you love can even cause you stress. Your family the people in your church community. And that's what happens in our text today. We have unexpected company, along with this desire to serve people, even people that you love, which is a classic recipe for stress. But the question is, how do you handle it? All right, so let's look at our text from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. While Jesus and his followers were traveling, Jesus 
went into a town. The town was named Bethany, by the way. Uh, And a woman named Martha let Jesus stay at her house. Martha had a sister named Mary who was sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him teach. Martha was busy with all the work to be done. All right, so do you notice the unexpected company, the drop-by, with someone that she knew well, with someone that she loved, Jesus, along with his disciples and the others that were traveling along with him. Now, Mary, most scholars believe, we don't know this for sure, but most scholars believe was the older sister. She was the one responsible for the home. She had to take care of things for the family, take care of her younger sister, along with their brother, Lazarus. Lazarus, you may know from the story about the the guy that Jesus rose from the dead later on in his ministry. They're all siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, Mary, then, being the most likely the, the younger sister, and, and no, no knock on younger siblings, but the younger ones are usually the less responsible of the two. And I'm sure those moments got under Mary's skin at times. And you can see how their personality types or their birth order come to play here, right? Jesus comes by, Mary's like, Woohoo, company! It's Jesus. I wonder what he's going to talk about today. And she goes right to the spot where Jesus decided to start teaching. And she goes right to the front row, right at his feet. Martha was probably overjoyed herself, a little more reserved when she saw them. She probably gave them all hugs and told them, oh, oh, go ahead and make yourselves comfortable. I'll take care of things for you. And then the reality of her responsibility begins to kick in, right? I've got to get places ready for all these people to sleep. I need to start getting dinner ready and food prepared, and, and i got to make sure there's enough water and wine to go around by the end of the night. I mean, this is going to... I've got to get started now. But we find Mary listening at the feet of Jesus, right? Which is a great place to be. But we also find Martha serving Jesus. And that's also a great place to be. Listening and serving. And and if we left the story right there, we could make some great applications and this just be done. However, Martha is like most of us. She got stressed. But then she didn't just get stressed, she took it to another level. She allowed the stress to make things worse in her, and it made her heart anxious, worried, maybe even a little bitter, and certainly a tad angry. Let's look what happens next. She, or Martha, went in and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to do all the work? Tell her to help me. Oh, man. Martha's gone and done it now. I mean, she comes in, and what does she do? She throws her sister under the bus. I don't know if any of us have ever done that before. And and, and then she demands that Jesus do something to fix it. I mean, isn't that just like us? We get stressed out. That stress then we allow to turn into anxiety and worry. We even may get 
angry, we blow up, and we get demanding, and then we want God to fix it all and make the stress go away. How does that usually work for you? Well, it does not usually go so well. So let's see what Jesus does here and how he responds. How is he going to interact with Martha in this situation? Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is important. And Mary has chosen the better thing. And it will never be taken from her. So it's always good to know in our lives when we totally, like, step out of line and we know we've crossed the line and maybe Mary, you know, Martha doesn't know yet she's crossed the line until right about this point. But the response of Jesus isn't like, Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> he didn't tell her to hightail it back into the kitchen and shut up and leave him alone. I'm in the middle of teaching. You interrupted me. He spoke endearingly. He spoke with love. He spoke with concern. He spoke with this overwhelming sense to kind of put Martha under his wing and say, you know what? I can see you're struggling. Let me help you with this. But I'm going to help you in a different way than you originally thought. Jesus knows, Martha. Jesus knows you. When in you blow up, when you do something and you cross the line, and Jesus is, he doesn't come with the thumb ready to squash you. He just calls your name and says, you're worried about so many little things. He knows her tendencies. He knows her tendencies. He says this is a teachable moment, basically. See, just like all of us, Mary is a, or Martha is a disciple. We are disciples of Jesus. Disciple just means one who learns. And if you're still learning, it means you don't have it all figured out yet. Folks, as followers of Jesus, we still don't know everything yet. You and I do not know everything yet. That's part of being a disciple. That's part of this growth curve that we get. I mean, our spirit is made 100% new and it's restored and it's redeemed and it's like, it's ready to go. It, it's on fire. But our mind is this work in progress, Romans 12 tells us. And, and it, it's this daily renewing of our mind that continues to grow us as we learn more and more on how to live in our new nature. And Jesus uses moments like this to reach into Martha's life, to reach into your life, and to show us areas that we all still need to grow, to become more like him, to walk in this new nature of ours. And, and what are some of the takeaways that we find in this passage then? Things that we can all learn then in our, in our discipleship in areas that we need to grow. In, in specifically, how do we handle stress, right? Uh, well, let's start unpacking this with our first point. So number one. Do not let anxiety cause you to lose focus. <clears throat> Folks, stress is normal. It just is. Stress is real, and you cannot run from it. But it is easy to go from normal stress to making life a mess in pretty short order. 
when you begin to worry, when you begin to be anxious, when you begin to be bitter, and even anger can set in. And that's what happens with Martha. You know, she started off great. So let's, before we get to her, the, the place where she crossed the line, let's dial it back to the beginning when she was just practicing the principle of hospitality. And she was loving her neighbor in a very practical, simple, I'm going to make them some food, and I'm going to help get the house ready for them to spend the night, and who knows how long they're going to stay. Jesus, he's going to feel so welcome here. He could rest. He could eat and be nourished. He could enjoy some needed fellowship and laughter with some close friends. She just wanted to bless Jesus. She wants to bless the other weary disciples. She doesn't want them to go hungry. And that's often how we start off, right? We're trying to do all these things for the right reasons. We don't want them to go. We're trying to serve people. We're trying to serve the Lord. This is where Martha shines. It's a beautiful thing, something that we could all learn from and be stretched on because some of us maybe don't even get to hear. And at this stage in the story, Martha is a model of what to do, an example of gracious servanthood. And we all know, and what we see in our story, is that willingly serving others, including those you love, often results in something very inconvenient. It can, and it will, stress you out. But that's not a reason not to do it. See, the, seeing the value of what Martha is doing here, we need to ask ourselves some questions. Are you living your life with the servant hands of Martha, serving your Lord, and serving others, loving your neighbor, even when it is inconvenient? even knowing it's going to cause you a little stress. That's a good place to start. However, as we've already picked up on, and as we've experienced in our own lives, we need a clear perspective in order not to fall into the trap that Martha did. See, here's where Martha's stress, stress gets the best of her. Mary, her sister, we don't know the, the, the details of what happened, most likely... She started helping out at the beginning, but then sat down as Jesus began to teach, just sitting down listening to Jesus. Okay, think about that for a moment. You're helping out. Martha's younger sister is having the opportunity to sit in front of Jesus and listen. And Martha had the opportunity to go, wow, that's really cool. I'm so happy for her. That, that's a, she probably needs it right now. I would not want to interrupt that for anything because that's probably the best place for her. Yeah, it adds a little more pressure on me at the moment, but hey, maybe I could even take a little break and go sit down and listen to and do this later. But instead, Martha starts getting steamed about this. She gets upset. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but Martha turns it all inward and makes it about her. Right? And she starts to think, Mary is letting her down. Instead of, oh, I'm so happy for Mary. No, 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 Mary's letting me down. In her mind, making her look bad. In front of Jesus, in front of the other disciples. Meaning that she was more concerned about her reputation 
in front of people, in front of Jesus, rather than what Mary was benefiting from, from being in the presence of Jesus. But in her mind, she was thinking, and, and again, I don't know if you've ever thought this or not either, but why, could, why was Mary being so inconsiderate? Why was she being so irresponsible? If you've ever been there, you know what this feels like. And this happens all over the place. If you've ever served in a ministry on a team, if you've ever been part of a small group or led a small group or a Bible study, church relationships in general, and of course, just relationships with your family, family members, relationships with your friends. And you could even extend that past into the community in general. And the stress often turns into hurt and frustration and worry and anxiety. And then suddenly, this act of love to serve people that you love has turned into a source of pain. Folks, the problem is not in serving others. The problem is that we often forgot We've often forgot why we are doing it in the first place. And we miss something even more important in the process. Folks, anxiety and worry, not the stress, can cause you to lose focus. May we learn from Martha's experience here. All right, now, now what are some of the more important things that Martha missed, that we often miss. All right, what should we do instead? All right, so let's go to our second point, number two. Always choose relationships over procedures. <clears throat> now, whether that is our relationship with others, again, our family and friends, your local church community, or if it's with your relationship with God, with Jesus. Folks, when you are focused and you are driven by your procedures, a process, the right answers, do you have to listen? No, because you have it all figured out. I have my task. I have this procedure. This is how we do things. I don't need to listen to any input from you to tell me to do things differently. Right? If you're choosing procedures over relationships, you don't have to listen. There's one right way. It needs to be followed. Get on board. No listening required. But relationships require listening. Relationships require slowing down and taking extra time to see maybe you haven't seen it all clearly. Maybe you're missing something. And Martha does not do that. Martha was so invested in making a meal and getting the house ready for her guests that she lost perspective on her relationships with her sister and even with Jesus. And all she was focused on, again, were the procedures. Yes, there were some legitimate things that had to get done. It didn't change that. Certain things had to get done. It was just a matter of 
how they were going to get done, when it was going to get done, and if it was going to do something in her heart. But it morphed into what she thought needed to get done. See, isn't, there, isn't that the truth? We have the stuff that really does need to get done. And then we have this other box over here of the way we think it needs to get done on top of that. And we just heap it on and we add it all over to here because it's important to you and you want to make sure it's done this way. And she added more stress unnecessarily. She's already going to get stressed out enough as it was, but then she added all this stuff over here on top of it and it just multiplied. And now she's mad. So again, look here at what happens again. She came to him or Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And she does not do this quietly, people. All right? I mean, she could have come in nicely, kind of inched her way down to the front, pulled Mary aside and said, hey, sis, I, I got a lot going on in the kitchen. Do you mind if you come help me out? And if we do this together, we'll come right back. But no, she comes all the way into the living room where Jesus is teaching, and she grandstands in front of everyone. See, the wording in the Greek here indicates that she literally barges in. If there was a door, she was flinging it open. And she interrupts Jesus in front of everyone, and she calls Mary out. Now, she may have been thinking, hey, maybe I wanted to sit there too at his feet, but no, 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 I'm in the kitchen. I'm just slaving away, and nobody cares. Oh, boy. Again, I can see we probably have all been there at one point. But then it moves up to another notch. Martha goes from being the bossy big sister to being bossy to Jesus, being bossy to God. She's like, Jesus... I don't know if you noticed this or not, but that, that lady right there sitting in front of you, she's the problem. That's pretty obvious to me, right? If you would just fix the situation, have her get up and help me, all would be well. In other words, Jesus, don't you see how much I'm doing for you? Oh, boy. But have, how many times have we said or thought the same thing? I mean, he... How could he just let me go on doing this? Doesn't he know how tired I am too? Does he even care? And then, after all, he's the, he's the one that actually inconvenienced me, and I'm doing this for him. The least he could do would be to help me out. Have you ever had similar thoughts go through your own head? So how does someone go from totally serving joyfully, serving and offering hospitality, to becoming angry, angry at your sister, and then yelling at God about that situation? It's a great question. The even greater question is, why do we do that? See, the first part of verse 4, he gives us a bit of a clue. Luke writes, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Folks, the problem was not in the very real work 
and the very real preparations that were indeed necessary. The problem was is that she got distracted. And the word distracted means encumbered, to be drawn away, to be so overburdened, again, to become worried, anxious, or frazzled. And when you get frazzled, what kind of face do you normally make? All right, does it look something like this? We, we've all had this look at times where we have this frazzled look because it's, it's, it's coming out of what is in, like bubbling over and we've allowed it to turn into this mess inside and Jesus is like, no, I've got this. See, here's the challenge. If you've moved from being joyful to being agitated to being irritated to being annoyed with people to having that kind of face, if you've moved from merely serving out of love because you want to, to now serving out of duty because you have to, if you are constantly anxious because you never, you, you already know going into this, you're never going to get it all done. If, you're get, if, if all that begins to make you hard to get along with, If your words and the way you speak to people begin to be short and snippy and angry and you look like that, there's a good chance that you've lost the reason behind what you're doing. Or, quite honestly, it could be that you're doing too much, that you've added unnecessary stress upon yourself. More than even what God expects of you and more than what others expect. And you've allowed the work to distract you from the love. Now, it does not mean that you do not love God. Martha loved Jesus. Jesus was Martha's friend. But she allowed herself to get distracted and she lost the joy of that relationship. And now she was creating a division between her and her sister. Again, maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. See, folks, this is crucial. If what you are trying to accomplish comes at the expense of your relationship with God or your relationship with others, then you've got them all backwards. And it's time to recalibrate and always choose relationships over procedures. As we come to our third point then, we tie all this together with, we need to listen and serve with discernment and wisdom. The words of King Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes ring so true here, that there is an appropriate time for everything. Time to listen. Time to serve. And, and trust me, it's easy to get out of balance on either one of those, right? I mean, people can sit around in Bible studies and churches and small groups and prayer meetings and spending time with Jesus 24-7 and then do nothing about what they've learned. And they just become what has been deemed a fat baby, in other words. And that's not what Jesus has called us into. 
Or, like Martha, you can, on the flip side, you can, do, you can do all kinds of things. You can serve in all kinds of ways. You can literally burn yourself out if you never pause to take a breath and reconnect with what you're doing and why you're doing it and who you are doing it for. See, burning yourself out and serving to the nth degree so you can be a martyr is not what Jesus called you to do either. We need to both listen and we need to serve with discernment and wisdom. There's a time for everything. See, there was nothing wrong with Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening at this time. And there was nothing wrong with Martha's desire to prepare a meal for Jesus or to get the house ready for those that were there. Even though it was inconvenient, even though it was a lot of work, even though it brought a normal amount of stress. The issue here is one of discernment. Discerning what is more important at the time. That's the benefit of having the Holy Spirit in our lives is He gives us that discerning voice to be able to listen and go, oh, pause, reflect, get a different perspective. See, we can focus so much on doing things right, that we can lose focus on doing the right things, the more important things. And you need discernment and wisdom to know the difference. So let's go back to Mary for a minute, right? Where is she again? She's listening at the feet of Jesus. Now, what is most notable about that? that Mary did not take the typical first-century role of a woman staying behind in the kitchen to help make the food. Instead, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus as a first-century female in the role of a disciple. That was something radical. It was something unheard of in an all-male-dominated society of the first century. And it was a foreshadowing of all that Jesus would do in elevating the status of women moving forward. See, Luke does not tell us, but I wonder, you just you can't help but wonder, did, did Martha get upset because Mary just wasn't helping in general? Or was she upset because she was doing something that women had never been allowed to do before? And she was Mary was out there choosing that over what women in her culture were supposed to be doing, helping her out in the kitchen. If it was the latter, and we don't know if it was or not, then Martha also, besides needing to deal with her anxiety and worry, Jesus would have a lot to speak into her life to help her grow in her understanding of all that Jesus came to provide for her as a woman. But it was obvious, though, that Mary was welcome. Jesus didn't say, hey, that's that's reserved for Peter, by the way. He gets that front seat, and John's right there, and... James is over there, so you can take a seat in the back. He didn't tell Mary to move. No, this was not a place of shame in the back of the crowd. Jesus gave Mary a place of honor at the feet of the Master. Mary was beginning to realize that her identity was 100% complete in Jesus. She was not lacking in any way in Jesus. And Mary wasn't about to miss out. 
She knew that she needed all that Jesus had to say, all that he had to offer her. So she sat and she listened. See, Martha didn't have to stop serving altogether. She just needed to slow down and stop enough to breathe, to get a little perspective, to maybe even glean a little bit of what Mary was experiencing. See, after her little rant, and and Martha finally stopped long enough for Jesus to get in a word, and he says in verse 41, Martha, Martha. Again, not in a condescending rebuke, but it's a term of endearment, because Jesus loved Martha dearly. He continues, Martha, Martha, you are so worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that better thing, and it will not be taken from her. And this wasn't an analogy or a comparison between listening and serving, making listening more important and therefore better than serving. That's not what Jesus is saying. The word better or better thing is actually the phrase best portion. And it goes back to the words written by King David where he writes, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. See, the word portion had to do with what was most important, life-sustaining, the parameters of our lives. And when we realize that the Lord alone is our portion, it changes our perspective on everything else. Folks, that was what Mary was expressing that afternoon. Mary realized that God alone, Jesus, God in the flesh, He alone, even though she didn't fully understand all that that meant at that time, was her portion. He was changing her, and nothing could take that away, Jesus said. It offers a a place of complete security. So folks, as this begins to relate to you and I, folks, knowing that Jesus is your everything, gives purpose, gives meaning, gives security, gives perspective to everything else you do, including how you listen and how you serve others. Jesus himself is the better thing. He is your portion. He is how we become wise and discerning. Where we know when to work and and what to work on and when to pull back and rest when to serve, and how much to serve, and what to let go of that causes unnecessary stress. How to handle the stress that you cannot change. And it also helps you know how and when to listen. So folks, just like Martha, if you have lost any of the joy of serving those you love, May Jesus, as your portion, restore it, fill you, and restore the joy of your service. And if you've ever struggled with who you are, your identity, who you were meant to be, who you could be, may you, like Mary, realize that your identity is 100% complete in Jesus. You are not lacking in anything, in any way. He is your portion. And nothing can take that away. 
So as you leave here today, may you continue to listen to Jesus. May you continue to serve Jesus, but with a heart that is all about the heart, that is at rest in Jesus. Would you stand?